This podcast is made possible by listener support on Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences. Why should I be frightened of dying? You know reason for it. You better go sometimes. Hello. Welcome to the Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences podcast. Uh, We're going to do something a little bit different today. I know I tend to say that quite often, but um, if you had listened to the uh, previous episode on Talesa's near-death experience, I had mentioned that um, uh, something that I've been wanting to do for a while is to do an episode focused on the after-effects of near-death experiences. When people have a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience, uh, a whole kind of variety of of these spiritual experiences, um, they often exhibit very interesting changes to who they are as a person um, and their entire lives. So uh, that was something that I found fascinating and and not only Teles's near-death experience, but many other near-death experiences that we've read and gone through so far. Um, I think it's one of the most compelling things about the whole near-death phenomena um, is that how profoundly people are changed. Um, And so I was looking on the IONS website. IONS is the International Association for Near-Death Studies. It's a great organization that... uh, studies near-death experiences and, and uh, is a great resource for those who are interested. Uh, I found this article on the after, de- uh, after effects of near-death states, um, and this is by PMH Atwater. And if you haven't heard of her, she is an amazing researcher uh, and near-death experiencer and author. She's written uh, many books and given many talks, and she's uh, an amazing uh, resource as well uh, if you are interested I definitely recommend you check out her work. Um, and so she she kind of has this very nice summation of some of the uh, not only uh, physical changes in people when they come back from having a near-death experience, but also the psychological um, effects. And she kind of talks about how uh, that can impact a person's family um, and their life and, you know, their... Uh, who they are as a person can can fundamentally change. So um, she does a very nice job of kind of summing up um, a, a uh, pattern of, of changes that we, we tend to see in people who have had near-death experiences. Um, I don't know if uh, any of you out there listening have had a near-death experience and can attest to some of these changes. Um, uh, it's certainly possible. Um, so if you have, I, I hope that this um, can help put things in perspective to know that uh, these common changes are, are well, common <laughs> um, and not something to be alarmed by uh, and and that other people have experienced things that uh, they consider to be quite profound uh, changes to their lives and transformation. So... So I found this article very interesting and very thought-provoking um, and very useful as far as um, compiling some of the general trends in one place 
um, that we see for people who have had near-death experiences and what they experience afterwards. Um, so I will share the link to this article uh, in the description of the podcast, and I uh, definitely recommend you go check it out. Um, not only is there a bunch of great stuff on the IONS website, um, but there is also a, uh, a list of uh, books that um, uh, PMH Atwater recommends to if you're interested in, in learning more about not only near-death experiences, but also the effects, um, there's a very uh, useful reading list, which, um, like I said, I, I can't recommend enough to check out. So uh, I guess without any further ado, we'll just get right into it. This is uh, After Effects of Near-Death States by PMH Atwater. Pattern of After Effects Around 80% of people who experienced near-death states claimed that their lives were forever changed by what happened to them. On closer examination, though, a pattern of surprising dimensions emerged. Experiencers were not returning with just a renewed zest for life and a more spiritual outlook. They were evidencing specific psychological and physiological differences on a scale never before faced by them. And this was true with child experiencers, as well as with teenagers and adults. Various researchers have attempted to profile these changes over the years. Even without the necessary funding to do clinical studies, most feel that enough research has been done to justify acknowledging the after-effects pattern and making information about it available. Knowing what is typical for experiencers should help to alleviate any worry or confusion, not only for the individual involved, but for family and friends, as well as healthcare professionals and the community at large. The pattern of after-effects from near-death states can be best understood if considered under the separate headings of major characteristics of psychological and physiological changes. Details and explanations follow. Major characteristics of psychological changes. Loss of the fear of death, more spiritual and less religious, easily engage in abstract thinking, more philosophical, can go through various bouts with depression, more generous and charitable than before, form expansive concepts of love while at the same time challenged to initiate and maintain satisfying relationships. Inner child or unresolved issues from childhood tend to surface. Less competitive, convinced of a life purpose, rejection of previous limitations in life, and normal role-playing. Heightened sensations of taste, touch, texture, smell. Increased intuitive slash psychic abilities, plus the ability to know or relive the future. Charismatic, a childlike sense of wonder and joy. Less stressed, more detached and objective. Can continue to dissociate or separate from the body. Easily absorbed, merge into whatever is focused on. Hunger for knowledge and learning, highly curious. Near-death experiencers come to love and accept others 
without the usual attachments and conditions society expects. They perceive themselves as equally and fully loving of each and all, openly generous, excited about the potential and wonder of each person they see. Their desire is to be a conduit of universal love. Confused family members tend to regard this sudden switch in behavior as oddly threatening, as if their loved one had become aloof, unresponsive, even uncaring and unloving. Some mistake this unconditional way of expressing joy and affection, heart-centered rather than person-centered, as flirtatious disloyalty. Divorce can result. One of the reasons life seems so different afterward is because the experiencer now has a basis of comparison unknown before. Familiar codes of conduct can lose relevance or disappear altogether as new interests take priority. Such a shift in reference points can lead to a childlike naivety. With the fading of previous norms and standards, basic caution and discernment can also fade. It is not unusual to hear of near-death experiencers being cheated, lied to, or involved in unpleasant mishaps and accidents. Once they are able to begin integrating what happened to them, discernment usually returns. Most experiencers develop a sense of timelessness. They tend to flow with the natural shift of light and dark, and display a more heightened awareness of the present moment and the importance of being in the now. Making future preparations can seem irrelevant to them. This behavior is often labeled spaciness by others, who do their best to ignore the change in perception, although seldom do they ignore the shift in speech. That's because many experiencers refer to their episode as if it were a type of divider, separating their former life from the present one. There's no denying that experiencers become quite intuitive afterward. Psychic displays can be commonplace, such as out-of-body episodes, manifestation of beings met in near-death state, remembering the future, finishing another sentence, hearing plants and animals speak. This behavior is not only worrisome to relatives and friends, it can become frightening to them. A person's religious beliefs do not alter or prevent this amplification of faculties and stimuli. Yet experiencers willing to learn how to control and refine these abilities consider them beneficial. Life paradoxes begin to take on a sense of purpose and meaning, as forgiveness tends to replace former needs to criticize and condemn. Hard-driving achievers and materialists can transform into easy-going philosophers. But, by the same token, those more relaxed or uncommitted before can become energetic, movers and shakers, determined to make a difference in the world. Personality reversals seem to depend more on what's needed to round out the individual's inner growth than on any uniform outcome. Although initially bewildered, families can be so impressed by what they witness that they too change, making the experience a shared event. The average near-death experiencer comes to regard him or herself as an immortal soul currently resident within a material form, so lessons can be learned while sojourning in the earth plane. 
they now know they are not their body. Many go on to embrace the theory of reincarnation. Eventually, the present life, the present body, becomes important and special again. What was once foreign becomes familiar, and what was once familiar becomes foreign. Although the world is the same, the experiencer isn't. Hence, they tend to experiment with novel ways to communicate, even using abstract and grandiose terms to express themselves. With patience and effort on everyone's part, communication can improve and life can resume some degree of routine. But the experiencer seems to ever respond to a tune no one else can hear, and this can continue lifelong. Major Characteristics of Physiological Changes Altered Thought Processing Switch from sequential selective thinking to clustered thinking. Thoughts bunch together, ideas pop up. Comfortable with ambiguity. Heightened intelligence. More creative and inventive. Unusual sensitivity to light and sound. Substantially more or less energy. Even energy surges in body, oftentimes more sexual. Reversal of body clock. Lower blood pressure. Accelerated metabolic and substance absorption rates. Decreased tolerance of pharmaceuticals and chemically treated products. Often turn to alternative healthcare treatments. Electrical sensitivity. Synthesthesia. Multiple sensing. Increased allergies or sensitivities. Can possess ability to heal. A preference for more vegetables and grains less of meat, physically younger looking, before and after photos can differ. Sensitivity to light and sound can be a serious issue and may necessitate some lifestyle changes. While most experiencers learn to limit sunshine exposure, others can't get enough. Almost everyone, though, has similar difficulties with loud or discordant sounds. Many can no longer tolerate hard rock music. The vast majority prefer classical, melodic, and or natural sounds, and become passionate about using music to heal. Energy surges up and down the body happen to many, and can be accompanied by lights in the air. Researchers usually regard this as a release of kundalini, a Sanskrit term meaning coiled energy at the base of the spine. Supposedly, kundalini energy and spiritual energy are one and the same, yet the theory behind this idea remains unproven. To keep informed about ongoing research, contact Kundalini Research Network, care of Dale Pond, in Flesherton, Ontario, in Canada. Electrical sensitivity refers to a condition whereby the force field or energy around an individual affects nearby electrical equipment and technological devices. Usually sporadic in effect and impact, some experiencers have noticed watches can stop, microphones squeal, tape recorders quit, television channels change with no one at controls, light bulbs pop, telephone drops off, computers suddenly lose memory, and so forth. Experiencers more at ease with their new traits report fewer of these incidents 
than those still in the process of making adjustments. Physical differences along with attitudinal changes eventually lead experiencers to alter their approach to health and healing, employment, finances, lifestyle and relationship issues. Many say that it's almost as if they had to relearn how to use their own body and brain. Once adjustments are made, the majority come to live healthy, productive lives that are happier, more spiritually oriented, and energetic than before. To deny or repress the aftereffects seems to leave individuals feeling somehow incomplete and can foster unwanted breakthroughs years later. Aftereffects cannot be faked, nor can you hide your response to the way they affect you, whether you realize what you are doing or not. You may be able to delay their onset or lessen the impact they have but you cannot pretend away the complex and life-altering potential they bring. Irrespective of any drama brought on by near-death states, what happens afterward is where true value and real meaning are established. Helpful Notes It is possible to have near-death-like experiences without the threat of impending physical death. Children, for instance, can have death dreams that are unusually powerful. Adults can emerge unscathed from mishap or find themselves slipping into a different meditative state only to discover later on that they have changed. If a genuine case, the individual will exhibit the same pattern of aftereffects as a near-death experiencer. Adjusting to the aftereffects takes time. The first three years tend to be the most confusing almost as if the individual isn't fully back. Experiencers and their families are urged to attend or start a local IANDS group and to read the following books for in-depth research studies about after effects. Okay, so that was The After Effects of Near-Death States by PMH Atwater. Um, I thought it was a wonderful summation of the different changes that uh, near-death experiencers tend to go through. Um, it is an excellent res uh, resource um, for us to kind of get our feet in the water. Um, and I, I really think that that's kind of what this episode is going to be, just getting our feet in the water and, and talking about what some of the after effects are. Um, it is such a, a profound and, and complicated aspect of the near-death experience that uh, I honestly think that we might end up doing several episodes um, just on uh, the uh, after-effects and their implications of, of these experiences because um, in, in many ways it, it seems as almost they're almost as important as the experience themselves. Um, and so the, uh, this uh, expansive list of all these different uh, psychological and physical changes that, that people undergo when they come back from a near-death experience is, is a great way to, to kind of introduce um, things that we've, we've kind of been talking about in, in bits and pieces throughout uh, as long as this podcast has been going. Uh, you know, people 
at least in most of the stories that I've read, people tend to talk about their experience, and then at the end they might have a little bit about how they've changed, how their worldview is, is shifted, and how they um, their relationship with life and the world is is uh, you know more spiritually inclined, more inclined towards love, and uh, uh, more intuitive, um, which is all things that were laid out in this article. Even uh, physical things like electrical sensitivity, um, which are our last episode, Talesa, she talked about having that. And, and several um, of, of the stories we've read have talked about having uh, psychic uh, abilities, being able to, to kind of read people. Um, uh, uh, this article mentions uh, finishing other people's sentences, uh, kind of a, a, a um, increase in the overall intuitive kind of uh, faculties which doesn't seem that we know a whole lot about. Um, and uh, I found the discussion of, of all the different physical, um, you know, changes very interesting as well. The fact that um, near-death experiencers tend to be more sensitive to light and sound, um, loud noises, and, and I guess these kundalini energy surges um, all this stuff is, it's, it's so hard to grasp what it actually is pointing to, but the fact that there are all these correspondences between things like uh, kundalini meditation and energy and chakras, all that Eastern kind of uh, meditation yoga practice, and, um, and, you know, that is obviously pointed at some kind of spiritual encounter and the fact that people when they come back from having having what they describe as a spiritual encounter of a near-death experience um, the fact that experiencers have these uh, changes which seem associated with um, the uh, most profound transformations one can get through yoga and meditation I like that's that's something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's uh, clearly, you know, we don't understand the physical mechanisms of of why uh, they have these these changes. Um, this article mentions very almost very specific medical changes. Uh, well, medical um, differences, let's say, um, in people who have come back, such as like lower blood pressure and higher uh, metabolism. Um, and so w we have this whole list of, of changes, which um, if the things we've read can be any indication, can be, it seems like they can be a bit of a, a blessing and a curse in a way, um, which I believe was what Telesa said about them. There's, you know, you have this profound shift in who you are as a person. And um, while that may be a wonderful thing to, uh, uh, if, like the article mentions, if you were a materialistic person, you might have uh, become more 
of a philosopher and not necessarily um, so worldly in your pursuits and, and greed and things like that. But uh, obviously, from what was mentioned in this article, there are profound changes not only on yourself, but on the people around you and your relationships um, and your family and and your friends and possibly even your career. Um, and that can be a lot to deal with, especially for someone who has had some kind of traumatic experience. Now, some near-death experiences sound quite nice in, in their description of, you know, uh, being part of the light and meeting dead loved ones and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, we don't have to beat around the bush that any experience where you almost die or fully die is going to be traumatic to some degree and that um, is going to require uh, integration, making sense of what what's happened to you. And so uh, from the picture that's emerging for me from reading this and reading all these different near-death experiences is not only do you have to have some kind of uh, framework to to understand what has just happened to you. You know, maybe you were a a devout Catholic and thought heaven was going to be a certain way and you have a near-death experience and um, your whole life practicing very dogmatic rules and um, scripture and, uh, you know, a fundamentalist kind of religious worldview has is all crumbled in a, you know, a matter of, well, however long you were in a near-death state. So that can be a very, it, it amazes me that, that people can bounce back from that, something that is so, so profoundly changing. And I suspect that the only reason that people can do that and make these amazing changes is because what they experience is so profound and meaningful that that serves as some kind of buoy to to hold on to some kind of life jacket to to wear as they re- adjust their lives to having had this profound experience um now i think the the integration of these experiences is something that we will continue to talk about um, in further episodes, because it's 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 so uh, profoundly deep, um, the ability of of people to to bring themselves together almost as if they were reborn, which is something that is alluded to in this in this article. That it's like people are, um, you know, having to relearn how to use their body and brain and. And all their social interactions, they've they've had this profound shift, which they they can't really go back from. They're, they're changed as individuals. Um, I was I looked up one study from the I believe it was the University of North Texas. Um, yeah, the University of North Texas from two thousand and five, which said that sixty five percent of people who've had near death experiences. Um, uh, end up having a relationship that gets uh, ends up in divorce, um, which I mean that's traumatic in itself. So it's it's almost like 
you know, there, there are all these positive things of, you know, uh, being more spiritual, uh, feeling more creative, um, having a, an expansive sense of love. Um, but like the, the article mentions, like this expansive sense of love can uh, result in uh, maybe your spouse thinking that you're flirting with other people when, when you're really just experiencing this totality of, of love that you've brought back from this uh, life-altering experience. And so there's this high divorce rate. Uh, that is associated with near-death experiencers. Um, and that's something, like I said, that we'll, we'll continue to explore in, in greater depth as we go along. Um, but I, I think I'll just kind of wrap up. I know this is will probably end up being on the shorter side, but I, I really just wanted this to serve as kind of an introduction to this topic. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll close with just the... Just the thought that the fact that people are changed from near-death experiences, to me, is the greatest proof of their, I'm, I don't want to say reality, but validity. It's, it's kind of like, well, I'm, okay, I'm not a doctor, so I don't understand how, how the... Uh, oh, people who are supposedly brain dead and with no electrical um, electrical what do you say <laughs> activity in their brain can have an experience and remember it because I think technically they're not supposed to I, I don't understand all that because like I said I, I'm not uh, medically inclined and I, I wouldn't presume to know but one of the most uh, often cited critiques of the near-death experience is that it is some kind of hallucination of the dying brain, maybe some kind of DMT release by the pineal gland or something like that, like that it's all made up by your brain, which is separate from you, but is also you. So there's all, all sorts of ways to, to, you know, attack that critique. But really what it comes down to me is even if it is a hallucination, which I, I don't, I'm not inclined to think, um, I, don't, I don't think that's the case, but even if it was, if a hallucination changes your entire life um, and changes you as a person and makes you grow and develop um, and become more expansive and more of who you are, well, does it really matter if it was a hallucination or not? if it's the most profound spiritual and meaningful experience you've ever um, had, does it matter whether it was just a hallucination or not? It's the, the fact that people are profoundly changed for the better when they come back. I think that is the most compelling piece of, of evidence, at least for me, because like I said, I don't, I don't know the, the medical science of, of when the brain's supposed to be active and not and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not, I, I don't go into that territory. But the fact that people completely change their lives and, and gain wisdom, and gain uh, a, a broad 
spiritual kind of base within them um, and a connection to, to, to something greater than themselves, um, I think that's, that's one of the most profound things that, that we can think about when we're talking about near-death experiences. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, thank you so much for listening. I, like I said, I hope, um, this was helpful. I found it very interesting and I, and I hope you did too. Uh, particularly if, if there are those of you out there who have had near death experience experiences and have, um, um, had some of these different effects pop up. Um, so I, I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, we will, uh, we will continue talking about this topic. Like I said, I, I just wanted to kind of introduce it and we will get more into the integration aspect of, of um, near-death experiences as we go along because that's the big question. It's like, what do we do now? Okay, I've had this amazing, you know, mind-bending experience and how do you come back from that? What do you do with it? And that's part of the reason I read these is to try to answer that question. What can we, just as a species, I, you know, as, as people, learn from all these different near-death experiences? So, like I said, thank you for listening. Um, uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with me, you can shoot me an email at samreadsneardeathexperiences at gmail.com. Um, I was actually thinking about doing a, a Q&A episode at some point in the future. Um, I thought it might be cool to, to try and, uh, you know, kind of get a dialogue going on and, and answer some questions if, if you all have any um, that you want to hear answered on the podcast, then feel free to shoot me an email or head on over to the, uh, the Facebook page for Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences. Um, and you can message me there as well. Um, if you want to follow me along in my daily life, you can do that at the, the Timberline. And uh, please, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please spread the word, tell a friend, tell a family member. Um, and if you really like it, please uh, leave a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, because that really helps us out. Uh, the podcast is now on Spotify. If you are a fan of Spotify, uh, you can listen to it on there. And uh, I think that's all I got. So <laughs> uh, we will close, as ever, with a quote on death. Okay, so our uh, closing quote today comes from Carl Jung in his Red Book. Uh, it's a book I've been reading um, here over the past couple months, and it's it's really uh, quite an experience if you ever are inclined to get into it. It's essentially his uh, his compendium of all the different um, visions and uh, journeys into himself that he went through uh, around 1916, uh, about 100 years ago, actually. Um, but it, it contains a lot of different, uh, stories and, and scenarios and, and very fascinating insights. Um, and I saw this one about death. 
Um, and so I thought I'd, I'd finish the podcast with it. If I accept death, then my tree greens, since dying increases life. If I plunge into death, encompassing the world, then my buds break open. How much our life needs death? <laughs>